Hello and welcome to Blokeology, evidence-based health, fitness and lifestyle for men. My name is Ewan Lawson and this is season one of Blokeology. Season one is all about running, from getting you started as a complete newbie to exploring new techniques for more advanced runners. Today, John Richmond and I discuss running injuries and niggles. We're not going to mention the more serious ones today, but we want to cover low-level stuff that often doesn't get mentioned and that we all experience from time to time, like what a stitch is and how to manage muscle strains, sore knees and shin splints. You can find the show notes at www.blokeology.io forward slash 003. And you can also sign up for the newsletter, the Journal of Blokeology at blokeology.io and the address for that is www.blokeology.io forward slash journal. Let's get cracking. Okay, John, so today we're going to talk about injuries, but we're not going to talk about the big, horrible, nasty ones. We just want to talk about some of the niggles and lower level stuff that everyone gets to help people manage those. Uh, So first thing is, what kind of, you know, injury wise, you've told us a little bit about this in the past, but what kind of problems have you had? So I've had stitch, (laughs) I've had sore knees. I think it was one or the other. I think with all my injuries, as time goes by, when when it's gone, it's really difficult to remember where exactly it was, but it was certainly one of my knees. Uh, Hips and calves. Those are the main things. Yeah. So are they kind of, so do you you think there are muscle strains to calves? I do. And I think one of the questions that, I'm hoping you might answer is um, cramping, you know, so I've had trouble with my calves since I had an event of cramping during an event. So I was doing a biathlon where I was running and cycling and it was at the top of the cycle and I was just pushing and it was a bit of a steep bit, got terrible cramp and I've had trouble with my calves ever since. How long ago was that? I don't know, 10, 15, 20, yeah. Um, 10 years ago, I say 10 years ago, let's say that. I think you might have been on that duathlon as well. Oh, it was a, I did a triathlon at the same time as you. That was Skipton triathlon years ago. Yeah, but no, that was, that one. was about it like 2009. Right. We did that. Yeah. It was round about that time. Oh, interesting. I was, I remember that triathlon because I've only done, ever done three or four triathlons and it was the first one I'd ever done. And, um, I'm about three, I was about two stone heavier than I am now as well. So I mm. keep meaning to go back and just give it another go. Yeah, see, if it, see if I'm any faster. You will be. Well, I'd like to think so. But that's no guarantee. Uh, uh, cramp. Yeah, that's a tricky one. So we're going. So let's cover a few different things. So I thought shin splints is a really good thing to talk about because lots of people get problems with those. Yeah. This the the stitch is a good thing to talk about because that's something that most people have experienced. Uh, sore knees as well and muscle strains and pulls. Um, and cramps is a bit of an odd one that no one really quite understands. No one quite understands as well in terms of what causes it. Um, I'm a bit surprised. Ten years later, that's incredible. That's a really prolonged period of time to something fundamentally changed after you had those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's, let's let's cover the humble stitch first. So uh, I don't really get. I, I have not had in recent times had any stitches that I can remember of. That I can remember rather. But it is something that has come, but we talked in the first episode about school cross country and it's yeah. vivid, vivid recollection of getting horrific stitch during yeah. that. But, um, and I guess it seems to be, it's that kind of, I, I, I can't imagine there are many people who haven't suffered it, but that kind of 
pain you get near the start of a run when you suddenly get usually under the right side on the upper abdomen right side of the chest mine just was a, right side too so yeah i wonder is it do you know if it's everyone gets it that side it's more common on the right side uh i've certainly looked at the papers on it and it's more common on the right side um for sure um I think it comes it comes under the exercise related transient abdominal pain is the what they like to call it in the medical literature because they wouldn't want to just call it a stitch because that wouldn't be posh enough. Um, <laughs> and it isn't actually a stitch, is it? Although I suppose the implication is is that you've got some stitches and it feels like they're pulling. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I, I, I think the thing about it is no one quite knows what causes them. Despite all the research, mm. it remains a mystery. Um and but I think the right side thing is quite important, and they because they think it's probably it possibly could be something to do with the blood coming back on the right side of the body, particularly ar- around the liver, and those big blood vessels there getting full up with blood, getting and then causing a kind of um, pressure and a restriction of the blood back through the portal vein, which is the big vessel that goes through the liver, and then that is what causes the pain. But no one quite knows. Mm. I'd always imagined it was. A sort of diaphragmatic. Uh, yeah, I always thought that as well. It was diaphragm. And I think um, there's definitely, I think there's a little bit of evidence that points towards that being one possible cause as well. I think the, the bit that makes people think it could be the diaphragm is because you get shoulder tip pain. Yes. And so, of course, medical, every medic knows that that's a classic sign of some diaphragmatic irritation is when yeah. you start to get pain referred up into the shoulder tip. So that sort of fits with that. But I guess the liver is in and around that area as well, isn't it? In that, you know, it's pressing up against yeah. that right hemidiaphragm. Yeah. So it could be a factor as well. Um, I think the other thing is they've thought is that um, it, it seems to occur just like swimmers get it as well. Mm. So it's not even just necessarily something that's related to the action of running. You know, so they're actually being horizontal, you can still get a stitch. I don't ever remember having a stitch on the bike. No, that's true. I've never, I've never experienced that. I don't think I've ever experienced a stitch swimming either. It's, for I me, have. it's always been. Have you? Mm. Right. For me, it's yeah. always been running, and it's always at the start of the run when I go too fast, too hard. Yeah. And I, I'd also had vague th- in my mind. I'm thinking might be related to eating too too close to running. I think yeah. it's more. It seems to come on more then, but again, could be just making that up. Yeah, I don't know if there's any evidence for that, but I would agree. I think that's my kind of experience. If, you, if you've had a bit of a meal, everything's a bit distended and you're more likely to get it. Mm. So I, mean, I think the only advice I would offer people that get it is that it's it's not going to kill you. Yeah. If it's a stitch, it'll, you know, you're going to be fine. And you just have to stop doing it until it passes off. And it doesn't. it does take a while to pass off. But again, I, I haven't had it for a long time. So you, you, the, there must be some sort of adaptation that occurs that means either just age or... You just a bit more running, yeah. So you don't get it as much. I, st- I do still get it if I have a meal, though. You know, if I, as I say, if I eat too close to running, yeah. I think probably as you do more running, you just get more used to the setting off at a slightly less insane pace. Uh, you you just get a bit more used to being to pacing yourself, and if you start to feel it coming on, you probably ease off immediately. It's maybe one of those things you just rather than rather than adaptation, just be learned behaviour that you you start to work out what's going on. Um, I almost felt I was going to get one yesterday, having said I haven't had one in years, but that was because I was running with a rucksack on, on road running, and um, which is really unusual. And it just, I happened to do it because of a car, didn't have my car and I had to get to work. Um, so I was running with my rucksack and I could start to feel it. And I just, I remember I just, well, I was like, I'm going too hard. I need to calm mm. down. 
and go a lot slower and it disappeared again. Yeah, so not, not too, nothing too much to worry about with the stitch though. So um, let's talk a little bit about shin splints. I um, I mentioned this, I think, in the first episode as well, that I'd had problems with shin splints that I did. I was running with absolutely rubbish shoes. I think it was the high-tech Silver Shadows, which were standard-issue army to everybody at one stage. They used to give them to all new recruits. They probably still do. Um, and they're they're fairly garbage piece of trainers as they go. Um, and um, so you tend to, when you get pain, suddenly you go, go out running and you get sudden increase in pain down the front of your shins. You mentioned your son had had problems. Yeah, and I, I do. I think I had it, again, very early on. Um, as a as a teenager, I remember having it. So I, I do know what you're talking about. I know the feeling. Yeah. And I think the general thought about them is that it's just to do with the muscle is in that compartment. And it's almost like a kind of compartment syndrome, which is sort of something well known to medics again, where you get too much pressure building up in the, this little space. And actually compartment syndrome is really serious and can result in, you know, permanent and severe damage to muscles and nerves and things. But it's almost like a bit of a version of that. You get a bit of swelling in and around the muscle and then there's not enough space and then that causes the pain. As soon as you stop, the swelling goes down and the blood flow calms down as well and everything feels a bit better. I guess the hardest thing to tell it apart from is the possibility of stress fractures, which can happen down the shin. So that was always the difficulty. Certainly when I was in the army, the difficulty with someone who was getting shin pain was working out whether it was just shin splints and they could be really severe and very painful and very debilitating or whether or not there was actually a stress fracture that was giving you the difficulty. I suppose, so the one other thing about the anatomy of the front of the lower leg is it hasn't got a great blood supply, but that's more the skin, isn't it, rather than the muscle. So could it yeah. could it be cramping? Could it be like a cramping type thing? It tends to be more of that buildup, doesn't it, that you get that kind of, as you know, as the muscles get warmed up and more blood flows in. I think it's just a really narrow space in the front of the shin there. There's not much flexibility, mm. is there? No. And I think you're right about the skin. The skin's got a terrible blood supply of the front of the shin and as most usually a problem for little old ladies. Yeah. Rather than anyone else um, who haven't got who get cut or damaged and then doesn't heal up properly. Or, you know, mm-hmm. as in our experience with injecting drug users, whose yeah. legs, front of their legs get very damaged. Yeah. Um I think with shin splints, it's probably too much too soon is the main message, isn't it? That you're just if you're getting shin splints, you're probably just overcooking it rather yeah. than anything else. And you might look to your shoes. I think, again, with my son, I think he swapped to uh, a better pair of shoes. And although he's not got, it's not gone completely, he still gets it every now and again. Um, it's not as bad as it was. Yeah. So I've seen some advice in the past, which is to kind of, you know, you, you might get benefit from certain exercises like stretching your Achilles or your calves because everything's a bit tight. And there are sort of various exercises online that recommend that. And I've even seen advice that you can try wrapping your leg before you go, which presumably just, presumably that just helps. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, I can't lymphatic, imagine. Lymphatic movement. I don't, I don't yeah. know whether it's just helping the, yeah, stopping it's swelling, I suppose. Mm. And so keeping that, you know, like any comp- theory of compression, if you've got an injury, it's just going to help reduce the swelling in that area. So can't imagine it's very easy to run with your legs bound up your muscles can't work just as well mm. so i've not seen any hard evidence that that's really um a great idea and i think my advice would be normally that you you, you know as your trainers is a good idea you've got to cut back a little and this is probably time for some cross training mm-hmm. get on the get on the bike or go for a swim or doing something a little bit different is the is the way to go yeah so that's very straightforward uh 
Is that, but what about muscle strains in general? You say you mentioned your calves, but that was a little bit more to do with cramp. But um, muscle strains and injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the I, I did have the cramp initially, but it left me with a muscle strain. <laughs> you know, it was quite, it was really it was severe and it was pain, very painful for you know a good few days afterwards. And it's yeah. and it it's then subsequently from that that I've very easily strained my calves when I go out running. Yeah, I, I guess one if you um, I, I guess so, yeah. you get, so I think it's still a it's still a strain. I guess if you get a really bad car, I mean, if you get a really bad cramp, it must damage the muscles, mustn't it? You know, I think they, so. they must get torn and injured by yeah. that process, and that's gonna, there's going to be a bit of healing with that. And I suppose in your case, I might be wondering whether it's helped, it's healed up with a little bit of scarring. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of fibrous tissue there, and that's just left you a bit more susceptible to a strain when things yeah. get a bit out of hand. Yeah. Um, I'm nursing a slight calf strain at the moment. I was road running with a rucksack yesterday, which is probably the worst possible idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, about six or eight weeks ago, I strained my calf road running. And I, I made the classic mistake, my rule of do not do not get injured, don't get injured. And I felt it go a little bit on a run around the campus here at the university. And then just two or three days later, I was down in London. I was desperate to go for a run of sitting in a committee meeting all day. And I went in the morning and went for a, a road run. And I got to about the last kilometer and my calf just went ping. Like, you know, the Rose Ed sniper took me out and I was absolutely, and I wasn't really able to run I mean, for two or three weeks, I was I was pretty much knocked out. I have to admit, I still limped out and did some very sort of gentle. It's, it's okay on the fells on the hills because you can actually sort of walk it slightly and still get a workout. Yeah, you still get a bit of exercise. So I was still going out, but I really wasn't particularly running. And any bit of road or anything that involved any proper running, I I reduced myself to a shuffle to avoid any damage. But I suppose that's mm. one bit of advice I often give to people, certainly in consultations, that if they get injured. The, about the length of time it takes to heal up is the same as the the letters of the affected um, piece, which is so a bone will take four weeks to heal up, a muscle will take six weeks to heal up, and a ligament takes eight weeks to heal up. Yeah, I never uh, heard that. That's a really good rule of thumb. Yeah, and I think it's I think it might be a veterinary adage actually. I have yeah. a feeling, but I've heard it somewhere. But it is a really good rule of thumb. Bones have got a brilliant blood supply. You're better off breaking a bone in some respects than mm. really badly rupturing a ligament. The ankle being the classic example. If you break the bone, four weeks time. It's all knitted back together. You're sorted. Of course, life's a bit more complicated than that because it's quite hard to break bones without damaging muscles and ligaments at the same time. Uh, muscles have got a pretty good blood supply, but not quite as good as bones. And ligaments have got an absolutely lousy blood supply. So take weeks and weeks to heal up properly if you've properly ruptured them. So I, I'm probably about six weeks down the track since that calf injury. And it's um, it's and that's probably why I was okay yesterday. I think it does take that long, but you could often get back to doing a little bit, can't you, with a muscle strain? I think if you're careful and wary of it and I suddenly I'm much more careful when I get an injury and I should do it all the time about doing some dynamic warm ups before I go out mm. doing some dynamic calf stretches and then actually being a little bit more careful about that. And I should, and I, you're probably, you might be better at this than me, but foam rolling. Yeah. I, I'm, I'd like to think I was better, but uh, of course, <laughs> you know, if it gets a little bit better, then I don't do it. <laughs> And then when it's it goes a, bad again, I, I think I, I would like, go, oh yeah, I need to foam roll. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and doctor experience, that's our life, isn't it? Everybody, nobody does anything while they feel fine. No. And I, you know, I don't feel bad about that. You, you know, I, yeah. people, I'm just the same. You know, if I stop getting indigestion, you stop taking the tablets. You don't even think about it. It's gone out of your head. Yeah. It's the same with any of these muscle injuries. I, I'm rubbish. I, I foam rolled it about my calf about twice <laughs> after I injured it and I haven't done it since. 
Yeah. I think there is a little bit of evidence for that kind of manual treatment, though, you know, and massaging that gets you back to, I was reading, a, I think it was a paper comparing compression clothing to manual therapy. And the manual therapy did a little bit better, and it did seem to be there was slightly less post-exercise pain. And, you know, so there's a little bit of evidence there that it's a good thing to do if mm. you can bring yourself to remembering. Yeah, and it is quite painful as well. That's the other thing. It's not a nice thing to face up to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that keen on being massaged anyway, and I kind of agonising. And I see these people going for, you know, you do a big event and then there's, a, you know, a masseur or there afterwards to give you the treatment. And I can't imagine anything I fancy less than mm. being poked and prodded in my sore bits mm. by uh, um, afterwards. But there's definitely some evidence you can recover a wee bit quicker, I think. So I guess uh, calf strain, I thought a little bit of thigh strains I've had in the past, groin strain. I've never really been bothered by that, but I think the same rules apply, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've uh, the time when I get um, groin pain now is if I go out, because I hardly ever go out on a big walk. I'm either going out for a run or a cycle. But when I go out for a big walk, once I've been walking for a couple of miles, I can feel my iliosaurus. So oh, yeah. you, know, you can feel the psoas muscle quite tight and um, at the front. Yeah. Um, yeah, just not used to that action and it just starts cramping up or it's not yeah. cramping up. But it's, I'm just becoming aware of it being painful. Yeah, that's the one that goes with me on longer runs. I start to feel very tight around the front of my, that sort of hip area there mm. when I've been out for a couple of hours. That's the bit that seems to start seizing up with me. But I've, mm. I've probably never really been injured, I think. I think the, the usual advice for muscles applies, doesn't it? It's the rest, ice, compression, elevation. If you can manage to do all those things and remember to do them, then... If you get a bit of a strain, you can often mitigate some of the damage and get back quicker. But it's the rest bit most people don't want to do. Yeah. Um, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah, not, yeah, it's difficult to. And it's also, I think it's difficult to remember to elevate as well. You just sit down and you don't, yeah. you, know, you know, think about it when you, you need to get it elevated up the level of your hip, don't you? To Yeah, to that's right. The, yeah. Yeah. Most folk don't do it. So, um, sore knees. Have you, you mentioned you've had some knee pain in the past. No, no surgery or anything of that. Nothing like nature. that. And as I say, it just, it's gone away. I, th- I think it was probably, um, just not quite stable enough in my joint due to poor muscle tone i think you know you know first out starting running going too fast getting a, maybe a bit of an injury and then getting some inflammation and and pain in the knee but i i i, I said last time that but i got a brace it was just one of those neoprene things so it was really just about keeping it warm so they keep your knee warm <laughs> yeah and that seemed to help but yeah um and and then um i've never had it since so I think that's the thing about those knee braces that they, they don't really most, you know, if you've got a cruciate ligament injury and you get a proper brace, that's a bit different, but those sort of yeah. neoprene ones, all they're really doing is keeping your knee warm. But actually yeah. that, you know, that can give you some symptomatic relief as well, yeah. but I wouldn't yeah. be under any expectations it's doing any more than that. No, I um, mean, it might, so that, if your ligaments are a little bit warmer, then they might be a little bit stretchier. <laughs> Yeah, there might be. There could be some science there. Yeah. Uh, I, one of the things I used to see a lot in the army was anterior knee pain. So mm. we used to yeah, see a lot, as well. lot of people mm. with knee problems just, you know, that were sore. And, you know, of course, going into the army, they never to get you running or running in rubbish trainers or, you know, they're running, doing combat fitness tests in boots or running around in boots. And actually, for a lot of people, that immediately resulted in problems in knee pain. And you'd examine the knee and the cartilage would be intact and the ligaments would be intact. And we can talk more in a later episode about kind of the more serious problems you can have with your knee. But these people would generally fit into kind of a nebulous 
category umbrella term of anterior knee pain where so you, you get pain usually i say in the front of the knee um often not quite into a sort of the patella tendon but over the top of the kneecap who could be particularly uncomfortable as well and all around the kneecap uh, and there's a little test you would do where you'd hold a kneecap in place and get them to squeeze their quads muscle and that would cause your that causes your kneecap to track back up and usually you'd have to peel them off the ceiling after doing that it was really painful and that's kind of a if you get that sort of pain where your patella is tracking and you get you get discomfort when it's moving around that's usually a sign that there's some an element of anterior knee pain or that kind of problem going on so i, I mean one of the things that is recommended for that though i'm not sure how great the evidence is for any of sort of anterior knee pains was that often about the physios would get involved and they'll try to get your quads stronger I've and in particular yeah, particularly the, the vastus medialis, which is the one on the inside of your thighs. Um, and so I, I think I've seen some evidence that suggests it's probably not really so much about training that in isolation, but I think it's just as a general piece of advice, having good, strong quads is actually good for your knees. And it probably applies to all your joints, whether it's shoulders or knees or ankles. Maybe not so much ankles because there's not that much in the way of muscle around those. But um, it makes a huge difference to actually have strong muscles in terms of looking after your joints. Yeah. And keeping them well articulated when you're running or running along. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you get, if you get problems with anterior knee pain, you usually, again, it's the old advice that you've probably got to settle down a little bit in terms of what you're doing, but actually adding some kind of strength training to your regime, maybe seeing a physio to help with that might well be of benefit to help calm things down. Um, but my experience in the army was when it got really out of hand, it was one of those, it was an absolute nightmare to settle down, but it was almost as well. I think sometimes it can be something you see more in adolescence and in younger people. And I, and I mean, adolescence in quite abroad, going up to 18, 19, 20, 21, when you're still actually, your body's still changing and developing. And that, yeah. of course, that's when a lot of recruits join the army and they're still going through changes, still, you know, there are still kind of biomechanical differences going on. They'd get a lot of problems with anterior knee pain which actually as they went through and they matured, they got a bit stronger, Would act, sometimes would just go away. So it can be a bit of a, it can be one of those, I say transient, but if you have it for six months or a year or 18 months, it doesn't feel very transient. It feels like it's a permanent fixture in your life and it can make people quite unhappy. Mm. Um, and if you're trying to run, especially so. Um, one thing I did want to mention in relation to knees was osteoarthritis. Um, because I think that building muscles aspect has now been really started to be valued hasn't it and when we see people with osteoarthritis there's been a gradual realization as doctors that none of the medicines are any good yeah and actually probably the single best thing you can do is exercise yeah um, and that plays into that there's a bit of a myth around running that it ruins your knees um which is probably quite important yes. to address that you know people think well they're not going to run marathons because it's just going to destroy you're going to end up with osteoarthritis and you'll be limping around in your old age I wrote a recent article, just a very short one for Men's Running Magazine, and there was a, a new paper that had come out um, about a study that looked, and it didn't, they didn't, there was no over-representation of osteoarthritis. It was about 2,500 or 2,600 runners or something. And there was no over-representation of osteoarthritis in that group at all. Um, mm. so, and they were actually less likely to end up with knee replacements, about 50% less likely to end up with knee replacements than those people who didn't run. That's interesting. But, yeah, I think the only thing I would say about it, and the, the author said in the paper, is it's not very clear about whether or not they had less pain or they were just less inclined to have the knee replacement because they'd have to stop running. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, if you're a keen runner, 
you, you, you know, true. entertaining the prospect of stopping running is not really not on your list of things to do. Mm. Um, and whether the running, you know, maybe they felt they could manage the pain. And, you know, as you know, you know, the, the decision to get a knee replacement is not how your x-ray looks or how the scans look. It's about your perception of the pain and your quality of life. Yeah. Is the thing that really matters. And maybe, you know, maybe people who are running are just coping better with that. Are less inclined to rush into surgery that could have some downsides. And they may have less perception of pain because they're used to running yeah. and banging on their knees all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no evidence of that. But I think it's definitely worth, that, <laughs> that definitely a possibility that actually, you know, if you get a lot of exercise, exercise has been shown, as again, as, as we know, that, you know, it's been, exercise has been shown to be really beneficial with chronic pain. I guess that, in fact, a more evidence-based way of thinking about it is that um, if you're happier, your experience of pain is is better. And, yeah, yeah. And you generally, you're going to be more happy if you're up and moving about than are than if you're not. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And all that those sort of benefits are running are there. Mm. So, yeah, interesting. There was it certainly showed up in that study that massively, you know, about half as many getting knee replacements, even with the same level of osteoarthritis. The only thing I would say there was another, there was another paper I looked at at the same time when I wrote that article, that the high volume, high intensity elite runners were about three times more likely to get osteoarthritis. Mm. So if they're, you're really cranking up, I mean, but I think to be honest, they're right at the far end of the spectrum. Yeah. You're most cranking, you're doing a hundred miles a week. Wow. You know, but, yeah. and also that doesn't include, you might be more likely to go osteoarthritis, but it doesn't make any it doesn't make any inference about how your life is and your general health and all those other things. So I'd be a bit careful about that as well, but yeah. um, it doesn't necessarily cause any massive problems. All right. Um, so that's some, some fairly simple stuff. So like shin splints, stitches, sore knees, muscle strains and pulls. I think in uh, future episodes, we're going to talk about, you know, plantar fasciitis, iliotibial band problems, um, mm. Achilles tendonitis, which are a bit more serious running yeah. problems anything else you do just to kind of keep the niggles at bay the running i mean it's one of the it's a big problem with like novice runners particularly and any runners there is actually quite a you know the niggles and the injuries are quite the, the, the numbers can mount up a little bit i have spent a lot of time thinking about my posture while i'm running mm-hmm. and um so just m- making sure that i'm you know, remaining upright rather than hunching over, struggling along. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just try, trying to keep my chest open and, and, um, trying to keep my neck extended rather than hunching my shoulders up. And, and I think that certainly helps. Uh, I think it helps you, your breathing for a start, but I think it just, it, it makes the reverberation through your body, um, it makes you more resilient to that if you've, if you've got your posture right. Yeah. I don't know. If I, the problem is I don't really know if I've got my posture right. I might be paying attention to it, but I'm not actually seeing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, I, there is, a, I mean, well, we can, I think we're going to do a whole episode on running technique and it fits into that. Mm. Have you read Chi Running by, I think it's Danny, is it Dreyer or Dreva? I'd have to check. Have you ever read I Chi haven't, I have heard of it. I, I, someone mentioned it when I was um, extolling the virtues of Born to Run for a while. And yeah. Said, oh, have you heard of Chi Running? Because that's all about. Yeah. It, it's almost, is that the falling forward? Yeah, it is running. a bit more. Yeah, yes. there's a kind of, there's a yeah. whole postural thing on that, but it's a little bit more recognizing that you recognizing that, you know, you know, it's not about standing straight upright. You're trying to move forward. So actually being mm-hmm. tilted a little bit forward, mm-hmm. moving your sense, center of gravity forward is a little bit, it's helpful. There's still things in that that I, re, I still do. I think it's been a little while since I looked at it, but then when you want to, I think it was in Chi running that when you want to go a little bit faster. You concentrate on, well, I, it's, there's a cadence thing 
And I think, I'm not yeah. sure if that's in Qi running, but I made a lot of effort to improve my cadence. Yeah. But also when I'm trying to go a bit quicker is actually pushing my legs backwards rather than trying to, in the in the backward phase, is actually making sure I'm driving my legs backwards rather than concentrating on trying to go forwards. Which If, does, if that makes sense. Because your legs have obviously got to go backwards at some phase. And I think the analogy I would use is when you're cycling through the whole pedal stroke. You don't yeah. just push, when you've got clip-on pedals, you don't just push down. You obviously should be pulling back to have a kind of, as it goes all the way around the cycle. Yeah. Um, and so it, I find no that quite helpful. Intended. Sorry? No pun intended. Yeah, yes, quite. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, I find that quite useful, but uh, we can come back to that whole technique thing. I kind of, I, I have a problem with my shoulders as well. They tend to get up around my ears when I'm running. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I think I do, if I don't do that, uh, I, I think probably when I'm running, I become aware of the fact that I'm holding myself tense so that every now and again I think, oh no, come on, relax. Yeah. And, you know, enjoy this thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely chill out. And, another <laughs> yeah, thing and, I and that usually, uh, again, that's usually, again, I'm starting to go a bit too fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so always, that, you know, it yeah. falls back on that again, doesn't it? The it other does. thing I find that to do, to do is just actually a little bit of diaphragmatic breathing so that mm. when I'm breathing in, my abdomen is rising rather than the other way around. So that's a bit more kind of, so make sure your diaphragm is pushing down and that your abdomen's going out. And actually that, I find that actually quite helpful just to get me relaxed a bit more. And mm. when I'm starting to, te- when you start to tense everything up and getting anxious and stressed, um, I find that really useful. And that's generally sort of mindfulness breathing thing, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I often find that quite helpful when I'm out running. Yeah. Okay. Right, John, well, listen, that's been brilliant. Thank you very much. We will we'll stop there just now and um, we'll be back again soon. Thank you very much for listening. The show notes for this episode can be found at blokeology.io forward slash 003. Please do leave a review and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or listen through your preferred podcatcher. Any feedback is very welcome and you can leave comments, send email or make contact via the usual social media channels, details of which can be found at www.blokeology.io. Thanks again.